What meme format would go best with been in Texas for six days, already calls himself Tex? <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can think of, and this isn't a meme format, it's an episode of South Park where uh, people are moving to Hawaii and calling themselves natives oh, after yeah. living there for two years. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, a native Hawaiian, <laughs> have been here for two years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and yeah. everyone's like, "Ooh!" <laughs> the closest thing I can think of, the first one that sprang to mind was um, the college freshman. You know, it's like been oh, in college God, for a week yeah, already, a maybe, Marxist yeah. or something. Yeah, but but that, <laughs> but it's it's not specific to college. So I guess I guess I have seen that meme used. Well, it was again. I think it was like enrolls in broadcasting school, gets microphone tattoo or something. Like yeah, that. <laughs> that's like, oh, man, that's like Gen One of memes. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, that's my Gen, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that uh, scumbag Steve. Yes. Um, man, what were some other Gen ones? Uh, uh, a go- uh, wait, bad luck, Brian. Bad luck, Brian. Bad luck, yeah. Brian. Oh, oh! Don't forget the um, the Irma Gerd yes. girl, the 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 Goosebumps girl. Yes. Oh my God, Goosebumps. <sighs> yeah, Jesus, this is this is the most 2011 episode we've ever had. I know. already <laughs> the golden age. What about we Jeez. forgot Good Guy Greg? I mean, with Scumbag Steve, you have to have Good Guy Greg to balance it out. <laughs> Did I'm, you ever see? Yeah. Um, it was. Uh, socially awkward penguin or something like that yeah that's oh, yes yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and then sometimes there's like socially successful penguin yeah 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 well one was blue one was red <laughs> oh my god and sometimes it's i like the ones that swap in the middle where you you start having a successful <laughs> social interaction and then it goes bad or you think it's gonna go bad but then it goes good oh no <laughs> and then I remember when people started putting the scumbag steve hat on other memes so you could have like yeah. Scumbag Brian or Scumbag Socially Awkward Penguin or something. Oh, wait. What about the Scumbag Girlfriend? I, I don't know uh, if she had a name, but... And then there was Super Supportive Girlfriend, too, to, like, balance those. I remember, like, the really smiley one. Oh, my like, God. You like video games? Yeah. That's so... I support you or whatever, you know. Be- oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh. God, they're flooding back now. <laughs> I'm getting a painful trip back to high school, and I don't appreciate it. It's like it's like high school uh, and, like, freshman year of college for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I just got, like, a, a bad memory of, like... The time I drew a fucking like troll face on on like our dry erase board in college, and I'm like, (laughs) oh no, why would you do that? Ah, I think I just unsubscribed from whatever it was, four Fs and six Us or whatever it was, the Rage comic uh, subreddit. Jesus, because I remember like probably a decade ago or however long I've been on Reddit at this point, which whatever sad amount I've been on Reddit. Um, I was like, oh yeah, Rage Comics. I feel like were funny, and then they like quickly devolved, ca- like all memes do. They kind of came back in the really? last like year or two. I've yeah. seen, but ironically, not never uh, like as a legitimate form <laughs> of memery. Uh, I do also have to add that Good Guy Greg always reminds me of my buddy Mark. Like I have several pictures of my buddy Mark when he did <laughs> used to smoke, looking exactly like Good Guy Greg. And my buddy Mark is a Good Guy Greg when you get down to it. So I, I feel like it's fitting. <laughs> Um, the good guy Greg memes always reminded me of my friend Mark's whole demeanor and character and all that. So, um, good guy Mark, 
Uh, well, uh, should we get going? <laughs> Might as well, yeah. That's put me in a, I mean, not that I wasn't already in a great mood, but that's put me in a great mood. Uh, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. <laughs> it's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. Memes. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I'm Tim Murphy. <laughs> and I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about The Cartoon, Season 9, Episode 13. Right, I wrote. Yeah, I wrote nineteen for yeah. some reason. Yeah, I think yeah. I just had nine. Oh no, on the we're not that yeah. far into the show. Jeez. Yeah, no, episode thirteen. But before that, what is the deal with stuff from our last episode? The reverse peephole. Uh, Elaine got us kicked off right off the bat, saying that Putty walking around in his man fur looks like Stein Erickson. He was walking around the coffee shop like he was Stein Erickson. So who was that? I uh, hypothesized he was a Viking. I wasn't too far off. Only by era, because Stein Erickson was an alpine ski racer and Olympic gold medalist at the 1952 Oslo Olympics. He was from Norway, so a ton of Viking blood, I'm sure, yeah. But he died in 2015 at age 88. And after his racing career, he was a ski school instructor and ambassador at various resorts in the U.S., including Sugarbush in Vermont, Aspen, Park City. So, you know, big time, like rich person ski instructor. He's credited with inventing aerials. So that now Olympic event where you would, you know, you go, oh. you, yeah, you go down the ramp and then you do a little flippy do at the end on your skis. <laughs> he pretty much um, started that. And he's also known as skiing's first superstar because he was so handsome, stylish, and charismatic. In fact, at the time of his death, he was still the director of skiing at the Deer Valley Resort in Utah. And he also served as host of the Stein Erickson Lodge a ski lodge in Deer Valley, not owned by Erickson, but named in his honor and still open if you want to go stay at the Erickson Lodge. Oh. I didn't do two. I mean, I, I, I scrolled and I scrolled, but I still could not find one picture of him in a fur coat. Ah, yeah. that's disappointing. I thought for sure there'd be like a big famous picture of him, maybe at the Olympics in a big, I, I can't find one. He, he mostly and, wore and just, just nothing. Yeah. Mostly wore just like kind of, ski parkas like what you'd see you know like athletic ski jackets yeah Um, yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, so but here's another interesting tidbit i found the reference to stein erickson was added to the script by jerry seinfeld so i don't know (laughs) maybe he has some memory of stein erickson in a fur coat that nobody it's it's like mandela effect on jerry like no everyone remembers that picture of him in the fur coat uh sure you're the boss stein erickson it is thanks for making my already stellar script um that much better with your great 1952 Olympic joke. Um, so what about Mexican radio? That, that was something, another puzzling reference in the show. Kramer is singing it while he's reversing his peephole. And then we get the audio stinger of a little snippet of the chorus at the end. Mexican radio is a, a 1983 song, not by Oingo Boingo, as I said. It's by the American new wave band Wall of Voodoo. I should have known that. I was kicking myself when I saw the hmm. answer. Uh, With regular airplay on the still-in-its-infancy MTV, the song had moderate commercial success and peaked at number 58 on the Billboard Hot 100, and it's still a uh, new wave anthem to this day. And I could not find any idea why it's featured in this episode. No no clue. (laughs) So, (laughs) Just, okay. Yeah, Stein Erickson never famously wore a fur coat, and no idea why they decided to pay the money to license uh, Mexican radio. So there we go. I guess... The homework is as complete as it as it can be. <laughs> it's not going to get any more complete. <laughs> nope. You know, sometimes you get to the end of a study and, you know, you're just left with basically where you it's, started. Uh, uh, yeah, it's yeah. just, uh, just inconclusive. Yeah. 
Uh, what about the actor who played Joe Mayo? We do know who he has not been lost to history. We do know who he is. He is Pat Finn. He's a Second City and Improv Olympic alum in uh, Chicago. And he is, is just one of these guys that has worked a ton, had recurring roles on Murphy Brown, as did uh, Cosmo Kramer within the universe of Seinfeld. Uh, Third Rock from the Sun. He was on Ed for a while. Other TV credits include Friends, The Drew Carey Show, That 70s Show, According to Jim, King of Queens, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Ah. Uh, he was on Two Broke Girls. He was on one episode of Yes, Dear. <laughs> Oh, motherfucker. That's probably <laughs> where I recognize him from. Son of a probably. bitch. Um, and he also played the recurring character Bill Norwood on ABC's The Middle for 23 episodes. So that was a pretty good run for him starting in 2010. Yeah, jeez. And he was uh, in the show Marvin Marvin on Nickelodeon, but that was 2012. So I don't know. Ten years ago, was that on? I'd never even heard of that show. It only lasted one no. season. Yeah, I, I've never heard of it. That's that's well out of my uh, my Nickelodeon foray. Now, this may ring a bell. He was on an episode of The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Oh, God damn it. That's it. <laughs> Do you know his name? Uh, in, the, in the show? Yeah. Uh, season Surge three. the Concierge. No. Damn it. Season three, episode 13, Team Tipton, and he played Sandy. Um, no. What's his last name? Sandy. Sandy Buttocks. <laughs> Although I'm sure they made a joke out of because it, it's spelled the French way like B U T T E A U X. So it would really be Sandy Buteau or something like that. But I'm sure Zach and Cody, those scamps, probably called him Buttocks. Sandy Buttocks. I'm sure that was played for laughs. And his film roles include How High. Again, he has like little bit parts in these uh, movies. So he's in How High. He's in The Bachelor with Chris O'Donnell. He is in Dude, Where's My Car? That's definitely, I, I stumbled upon that last episode of You Listened. Uh, it's complicated. He's in Space Buddies and Spooky Buddies. Oh, my God. And then he jumped. <laughs> I think this is jumping franchises because I don't think they're in the same cinematic universe. Then he was in Santa Paws 2, The Santa Pups. <laughs> now that's not a buddies movie is it no it is I a totally different i thought uh, so universe uh he was also in i might remember him from this too he was in commercial campaigns for got milk i can't remember his milk commercial but that did ring a bell when i saw that also playstation DiGiorno pizza holiday Inn, h&r block bell south toyota and others so just the working actor is working actor pat finn Nice, nice. Been in a ton of stuff. Uh, so here's some trivia and tidbits from the episode. The working title was The Man Fur. And when I saw that, I was I was like, I should have pointed this out last episode. <laughs> I'm sure it occurred to both of us. But that's one of those things that when Jerry said it, the writers were probably like, oh, that's hilarious. Man fur. Like, oh, he's got a man fur. Like, you put man in front of something not typically associated with, like, you know, later on, man bun. And people thought that was like the height of humor. You know, I bet they thought man fur was going to be like the pull phrase from this episode. So much so that they thought about naming it that. But yeah, luckily it was just a kind of a throwaway joke to introduce the episode. Uh, the wallet story stemmed from an argument in the Seinfeld writer's room. Spike Ferriston, who wrote this episode, except the Stein Erickson line, um, <laughs> remarked that wallets had become pointless. So he was team Jerry. But Jerry started arguing the point with him that you do still need wallets. So the real Jerry Seinfeld was actually Team George. Uh, Ferriston won over Seinfeld by dumping out the contents of Seinfeld's wallet and showing him how much of its contents had he had no real use for. <laughs> so all that ripped from real life. Uh, another one, George developing back pain proved to be true to life. Sitting with the massive wallet in his back pocket during the episode's rehearsals and filming caused Jason Alexander to actually injure his back. 
<laughs> oh my god. Yeah. The wallet bursting open was accomplished by a stuntman firing an air gun precisely at the wallet. So that's how they achieved that movie magic. God, I'd love to see the trial and error with that because <laughs> obviously they're not going to know like the perfect angle for the air gun at first. Yeah. So I want to see if there's an outtake of just the wallet shooting right back into Jason Alexander's face or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, doing that like forcing air into his lungs. That, that thing, I hate that feeling. <laughs> Jerry's girlfriend, Carrie, which interesting here, like when I spelled it out, I spelled it C-A-R-R-I-E closer to the joke way like carrie and carrie but here it's spelled k-e-r-i which i guess is how it was spelled, oh yeah probably yeah i uh, yeah i i got that from the captions so carrie says his pants are nice at joe mayo's party she was actually in a dockers commercial in the 90s where she's on the subway sees a guy they get separated and she mouths the words nice pants as the train pulls away and i think i remember oh, that commercial my God. yeah <laughs> um, so, and it's interesting too, because there was one Dockers commercial, the one where all the guys are standing around that Jerry hated and broke up with a girl over because, because she liked it. You might remember Elaine tells Jerry that she was unaware of Putty's fur coat because they had never dated in the winter before. However, some people think this is a mistake because in the face painter in season six, they attend an ice hockey game together. So they were dating in the winter or were mm. they? Season hmm. six, listen to this. This blew my mind. Season six takes place in 94-95. The 94-95 NHL season was shortened due to a lockout of the players by the owners. So it started in January, but it went, the regular season went until May for the first time ever. Hmm. So maybe they went to a late season NHL game and it was <laughs> easily spring by that point it wouldn't even have to be late season it could be March or Mid -season. April season yeah yeah I mean Putty goes with his shirt off in one instance or at least he takes it off when when they get there and he's just like wearing it chilling in a jersey so um yeah I I'm that's that's my headcanon now that that's not a continuity error they never yeah. dated in the winter they dated in um I guess we'd yeah. we'd have to look up the air date of that episode because we we've seen yeah. that uh the episodes typically take place, give or take, around when they come out. Um, so what was, uh, what was the episode that took place? It was The Face in? Painter, Season 6, Episode 23. It aired on May 11th, 1995, when oh, hockey was shit. still being played. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go on IMDb and report that as incorrect. Because Absolutely, they yeah. could have been going to a <laughs> hockey game that week. The Stanley Cup playoffs were held in late June. They didn't start till Ooh. like June 18th or something that year. And I don't know <laughs> if the Devils were in. I don't know how far the Devils went. But um, in May, they certainly would have been playing. In early May, they would have certainly still would have been playing regular season games, I imagine. So, not an error. You heard it here first. Uh, and <laughs> finally... The real Joe Mayo is an actual Seinfeld crew member and is listed as a utility person in the credits of the previous episode. <laughs> Interestingly enough, he wasn't in the crew for this episode, which includes a character named Joe Mayo. But the real Joe Mayo does make a cameo in this episode. He's the guy with the mustache who Putty tells to keep his drink off of the speaker. <laughs> so that's the real Joe Mayo if you want to uh, go back and, and look at that Easter egg. Uh, and that's all I got. Oh, man. All right. We got any news or anything? I don't think so. Not in the last three days. <laughs> yeah. 
the uh, the time that has elapsed since we recorded our previous episode, the hope the episode that we are doing homework about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God. Um, okay, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research heavy show, despite the last. 18 minutes being exclusively homework and bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. Uh, I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description and on on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, uh, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts, and we will send you a free No Hugging, No Learning holographic sticker, uh, free of charge. A free sticker, free of charge. I think that makes sense. <laughs> for you. Unless I'm, like, inserting a, a double negative there, and we're, uh. we're going to make you pay for it. Um, but also, if you would like to support the show, we've got a link in the description to our Patreon, where you can get all of our episodes of Halloween month, um, including maybe an extra one that we have released. We don't know yet. We're waiting to hear back from our, our patrons as of the time of us recording this. But uh, in addition to Halloween month, we've also got like three months of, of bonus content and and uh, movie reviews up there uh, for just five bucks a month. It's a hell of a deal if you uh, want to throw us a couple of bones. All that being said, season nine, episode 13, the cartoon Original air date, January 29th, 1998. I was five years, one month, and nine days old. And, Tim, if you're counting this episode and every other episode we've got left, we have ten episodes until we become a... Can we become a Air Bud Universe podcast and call ourselves BuddyCast? Oh, <laughs> even though there's already a buddy, we're cast. gonna get it. We're gonna get a cease and desist from Nick Sorensen. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's appropriate for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> or we could just make him part of it, and that's true. Uh, and, and like bring him in for reviews, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I like that. Buddy cast two, <laughs> <laughs> two or, buddy two <laughs> cast. Or wait, how do we? Because remember, we we jokingly batted about calling ourselves Podfeld after Signcast <laughs> and just totally ripping them off. Um, so how could we take Buddycast and make that? I guess it'd be Aircast, but then people wouldn't know that. <laughs> then people wouldn't know we're an Air Bud Universe podcast. The Bud really sells yeah. this, so there's really no yeah. way to reverse it. Cast Buddy, <laughs> gonna be mm. Cast Buddy. What about? Cast wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why? Why? I mean, I I did say Buddy Cast because we both know the podcast Buddy Cast, but Budcast works almost better. You know, I feel like we would bud. get a lot of uh, mistaken listeners uh, yeah. who are uh, looking for <laughs> uh, like this week in like weed news. Yeah, yeah. Stoner's Pot Palace. That is yeah. Flagrant false advertising. <laughs> <laughs> These guys don't know anything about Bud. They're just talking about dogs. Oh. They're just talking about Air Bud movies. Oh, wait a minute. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's great. We need to trick our audience into listening to us. I'm fine with that. So Budcast it is. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly, if uh, if we were both stoners yeah. and we just made a podcast called Air Bud yeah. and we just watch all of the Air Bud and like Air Buddies movies while high, yeah. that would be a great show. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, we're both nice guys, so I think we should call it the Kind Bud Cast. Oh, fuck. 
I think you know we're we're gonna be like people might think we're gonna be like very cynical about the Airbud movies. No, we're we're kind, kind podcast. <laughs> we we only say what we like about the yeah. Airbud and Air Buddies movies. Yes. <laughs> and if kind you go to our bugs. Patreon, we watch the Santa Paws movies. Yeah, yeah, you got to pay for that. Everyone knows it's the superior <laughs> franchise. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, if you are looking TV Guide <laughs> of January 29th, 1998, you are going to see Sally Weaver's one-woman show about Jerry is a hit, period. George's girlfriend resembles Jerry, period. A New Yorker cartoon confuses Elaine, period. Kramer stops talking, period. And if you're wondering why I, I throw in all of the periods, <laughs> it's because that's the way it's fucking written, and it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is compared to the way they used to, compared to the run-on sentences of the Hulu days, Yeah, I think. Or maybe or those even, were the, the DVD days, I forget. Uh, Hulu was definitely much better. Um, DVD descriptions were long, yeah. but they they weren't afraid to use a semicolon, for God's sakes. <laughs> um, Google, Google descriptions were bad. <laughs> Google like would just tell you everything that happens in the episode. <laughs> yeah, It would yeah. be a paragraph. Um, so I, although I don't know, I didn't hear anything right off the bat that we could make better. So we'll have to see at the end. We might be able to tie in some of these together. So we start with a cold open out on the street. Kramer and Jerry are walking along and Kramer is in the middle of telling Jerry what a scam UNICEF is. It's a money laundering operation because of all the kids walking around with these cups on, on Halloween and, you know, getting donations. And, uh, but then Jerry sees Sally Weaver, Susan's old college roommate, who we first met in The Doll, Season 7, Episode 17. And she moved to New York a couple years ago, and she's trying to become an actress. But Jerry says she sucks, and she should just give up. So when Kramer and Jerry go up to greet Sally, Kramer tells Sally his opener is, you know, you should just quit. Just give up. <laughs> That's what Jerry says. You stink. <laughs> and then he invites her out to lunch with them. And Jerry's follow-up, instead of I feel like what a non-sociopath would do and try to lie... Jerry just goes, so Susan's dead because it's the, <laughs> the one person they, they have in common. But I feel like a normal person would have gone, I don't know what he's talking about. I never said that. Right? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Also, judging by Sally's reaction, did she know Susan was dead? That's a good question. I, fig I figure <laughs> she would have. I, I I think so. But like, she's almost taken aback by Jerry saying that. Yeah. Maybe it's just because it was such a sociopathic thing to say. <laughs> Like, why would you say that? Jeez. First of all, it's been a couple years. And second of all, she was my friend. So over at Monk's, Jerry is berating Kramer for blowing him up like that, putting him on blast. And uh, he tells him, you know, why don't you just keep your mouth shut? And I like that, you know, Kramer's like, well, I thought we were going to have a nice meal here. But if it's going to be like this, I'll just go to your place and get something to eat, <laughs> which he does. Uh, Elaine can't remember what she wanted to do when she was young. All she knows is it's not this. So she has given up. <laughs> And I kind of felt that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and she points out a cartoon in The New Yorker. And Jerry has no idea why it's funny. Elaine has no idea why it's funny. George comes in and does the typical George thing that I would do and fakes it. Because he, like, chuckles at it. And she's like, so you get it. And he's like, oh, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I didn't understand something, there's no way I'd go, uh, I don't get it. I'd go, no, I'm smart. I get a New Yorker cartoon. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Uh, but then he, he, then he folds immediately. After he's called on it. Uh, oh, never mind. Uh, but I love Elaine's. She's like, all right, let's figure this out. We're two intelligent people. She says, motioning to Jerry. Yeah. The first I, of I also, many. I also love yeah. her saying that you should get this. You're on the fringe of the humor business. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. So that was the first, and this is the second of many burns by Elaine in this whole episode. I noticed she was like, like fire, like was a flamethrower in this episode, and it's, uh, specifically on George. There's a couple. So the cartoon is a dog and a cat in an office, and the cat says, "I enjoyed reading your email," and they both don't get why that is supposed to be funny. George is meeting Janet there, and he remarks that she's got such a nice face. And this is another great burn from Elaine because he's like, you know, the eyes and the nose and the mouth. And Elaine goes, we know what a face consists of. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Janet comes in and they remark that George remarks that there's no time to go to the supermarket to get snacks before the movie starts. Another thing I have in common with George, probably maybe a lot of people do. (laughs) Um, So he steals the pillow mints from the cash register at the diner and then... They're on their way. Another thing I love. God, I love pillow mints. Those are so... Just the that weird, chalky <laughs> texture that all of a sudden becomes creamy as you Ew. chew it. Oh, man, I love it. Ugh. Um, I don't know if I could sit in a movie and chow down on a bag of... Like, mints or something that... Like, one or two and I'm done. Um, but especially something that's just just meant to be have, have one or two. I couldn't chew them through a whole movie, but, but uh, I do love them. Um, and I loved... One of the best things about living in Erie was that get-go gas station on the way to the movie theater. Oh, my God, oh, yeah. Man, oh. even if you were running late, you could you could make you it. Still have, you still yeah. have plenty of time to run in there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. you go right either, in, right either out. Either that or, yeah. like, if you have, like, five extra minutes, run into Target, which is across uh-huh. the street, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that, like, once or twice. You could not but, be grabbing a 20-ounce, grabbing a, some candy. Or, you know what I started <laughs> doing? ordering food ahead of time like the pepperoni roll-ups that they made and sneaking those in oh my gosh yes sorry to the cinemark of erie pennsylvania but try and find us it's yeah it's not like we're ever gonna visit your your (laughs) fucking theater again well actually we might i don't know who's who's to say yeah um did uh did you ever hear what one of our mutual uh former co-workers used to do yeah uh uh, would always sneak in Chipotle bowls. <laughs> yeah, that was like, next. Um, that's that's a that's a lot. Like yeah. to be the person eating a full meal during a movie that takes balls. Yeah, yeah. With like a, I can understand maybe a burrito because I used to bring in the pepperoni rolls <laughs> and stuff, but a bowl is like a f- knife and fork kind of thing. Like <laughs> you're there, like chowing down in a way that you, no one eats movie food that way. Um, <laughs> Anything that the theater sells, anyway. So, yeah, that uh, that was ballsy. Uh, and also the smell. Like, you you open a Chipotle bowl, and that <laughs> fills the entire theater with chip- It smells like a Chipotle in there now. Yeah, you are making dozens <laughs> of people hungry yeah, just, yeah. By, just by being in proximity of them. Or mad, even. Like, I might, That's, if I yeah, smell, I want to smell movie theater. I don't want to smell Chipotle for some reason. <laughs> but, yeah, I, that, that was next level. Uh, Elaine points out to Jerry that Janet looks exactly like Jerry, but then she also gives up immediately when Jerry's like, really? She's like, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) So Elaine's not only burning everybody. Elaine's going through like some kind of episode where she's like burning everybody, but also despondent and like giving up on life. It's uh, she's in a weird place for an inexplicable reason. Up in Jerry's apartment, Kramer is giving Jerry some messages and Sally called. You ruined her life. Thanks a lot. But Jerry is now upset at Kramer again because he doesn't want her to quit because of him. She should quit, but as he said, it should be the traditional route. Years of rejection and failure before you're <laughs> spit out the bottom of the porn industry. 
Jesus Christ. I know. And we get the smirkiest smirk from Jerry Seinfeld IRL after that line. It's one of the times where he's like, I just said something hilarious. Like, as the man, not the character, you know? <laughs> like, you can yeah. see that typical Jerry Seinfeld smirk. George and Jan buzz upstairs, and Kramer does think that Jerry, before they come up, that Jerry looks like Lena Horne. Uh, he said that that's a woman that he's always thought Jerry looks like. He got a huge applause. Do you know who that is? Not a clue. I I don't think we have to do a dive on Lena Horne. I, well, I don't know. Maybe we should. I kind of just want to do it now because I looked her up to see if she looked like Jerry Seinfeld almost immediately. I think she was a dancer uh, in the like 1940s or something like that. Let me just do it right now. Lena Horne. Because, yeah, the name didn't ring a bell, but I was like, well, now I have to see. Uh, she was a dancer, actress, Grammy-winning singer, and civil rights activist. Um, she passed away in 2010. And she – so I, I looked her up, and she does, I guess – I guess I can see it. First of all, she's African-American. So that's a little – you know, <laughs> that's one uh, area where she doesn't look like Jerry Seinfeld. But it's the teeth and the smile that really sell her looking like Jerry Seinfeld. Um, are you okay. looking her? Are you looking her up, or did you? Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I'm looking her up. I, I guess. Yeah, there's a couple pictures of, where maybe? I can see. Yeah, where it'd be a joke, you know. Yeah, maybe. Um, there's a poster from Oscars.org. Yeah. Uh, motion Picture Magazine. I don't know if you're seeing that one. Where I guess you could kind of make an argument that she looks like Jerry, or yeah. Jerry looks like her, but. Eh. It, it's a stretch. It's a long stretch. Yeah. And maybe that's where the joke comes in that, like, people who know what she looks like would have gone, oh, yeah, yeah. And my memory right now, I think. Uh, it's the same level of uh, New Yorker humor. You yeah. laugh at it. You <laughs> laugh at it without, like, knowing what she looks like. Yeah. So Kramer, when George and Janet get up there, blatantly expresses that she is identical to Jerry. Uh, but as Kramer says, it doesn't mean that you're secretly in love with Jerry. And uh, <laughs> and George wants to leave immediately. And this, I thought, was... This is where I would have laughed and ruined a take because nobody else in the audience laughed. George is leaving, and, and she's like, well, we just got here. He's like, it's getting dark. I'm like, that's one of the smartest jokes... Again, you're talking about New Yorker humor. That's one of the smartest jokes Seinfeld's ever written, and it got no reaction from the audience but i'm like yeah oh, that's yeah. hilarious on like so many <laughs> levels it doesn't mean you're secretly in love with jerry it's getting dark it's getting too dark um i i just thought that joke was great and didn't got did not get the respect that it deserves jerry when they leave he shoves kramer because once again he's opened his big fat mouth did you notice in this even though they kept it like kramer's foot hits the bottom freezer and the bottom door opened up no <laughs> yeah when when jerry shoves kramer uh the bottom freezer door opens up and we see a <laughs> carton of healthy choice ice cream, which we've talked about on the show before. Uh, but Jerry lays into Kramer again and Kramer says, you know, maybe one of us should leave because they start fighting so much and they just <laughs> stare at each other. And did you notice how close Jerry was to breaking in this yes. stare down? Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. God. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's holding it in with all of his might. I know. <laughs> it almost makes me want to search out the outtakes from this episode to see because michael richards would never break but you could tell in this instance seinfeld just thought that you know michael nailed it well i think one of us should leave <laughs> then they just stare at each other uh by the way superman is still on the shelf in jerry's apartment uh, over at monks jerry is telling sally not to quit giving her kind of a pep talk like it's show business everyone stinks uh so she agrees to keep trying up in jerry's apartment 
Elaine comes in and says her whole office can't figure out why the cartoon is funny. And Elaine is leaving as George comes in. And Elaine remarks that Janet is a very handsome woman. And then so kind of drops that grenade between Jerry and George and then dips to leave them in awkward silence. And they, of course, have to assure each other that they're not gay. God. (laughs) Fellas, is it gay to date someone who looks like your best bud? (laughs) (laughs) And in the the middle of the awkward silence, they both shout for Kramer to come in and break the tension. (laughs) But Kramer comes in to tell them he is never talking again. And mentions that 94% of communication is nonverbal, which can't be true. (laughs) No, absolutely not. (laughs) Unless you're counting all the communication that is done by reading. Like when I'm reading an article, I'm (laughs) I'm technically being communicated. You know, uh, I'm I'm partaking in communication. So that if you count reading, maybe, but I don't think any. I don't think 94% of face-to-face interaction is nonverbal, which I think is what he's saying because he's like, "Here, watch this," and he does a reenactment of something, and they're like, "What's that?" He's like, "That's Frank and Estelle's reaction to George's man love for she Jerry." So when he oh told George's God. parents about it, I know they were crying and very upset. Um, did you yeah. did you pick up that he had told Frank and Estelle already, or that that's what their reaction was going to be? I pick I. I think he told them already. I mean, it's very likely. We know Kramer has a good relationship with Frank. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, well, maybe that's Jerry's parents that he calls every week. But he might do the same with George. I think he does. I think it is his like friendship-ish thing that he has with Frank that he probably does <laughs> check up on them, just like he checks up on Jerry's parents. And there's probably maybe there's even like a sad backstory where Kramer doesn't well we we know the relationship with his mom was estranged i don't remember about his dad if he's talked about it so he comes from an interesting background that may he may yearn for that you know those parents that are still together and trying to live vicariously yeah. through his yeah. friends who don't appreciate their parents certainly <laughs> in the way that kramer does but yeah I, t- I took that he had already told them which also made george upset and the no talking after a couple of false starts starts now kramer's not talking anymore over at the New Yorker building, which was at four Times Square, I could not find a picture of this entrance. It looked fake to me. It looked like they superimposed like an embossed The New Yorker onto the entrance of this building because this didn't <laughs> even look like the entrance to four Times Square where The New Yorker was. But um, The New Yorker, I don't think we need to do a dive on it. It's the unabashedly sophisticated (laughs) weekly magazine uh, from Manhattan started in 1925. They moved, by the way, from four times square to one world trade, which is the headquarters of their parent company, Condé Nast. And four times square is really, when you get down to it, one uh, 1472 Broadway. So it's, it is right in times square, but it is kind of at Broadway and and 42nd where times square is four times square is 52 stories and current tenants do not include the New Yorker, but do include NASDAQ, Vivo, and Mitsubishi. And hmm. just because we can't have an exterior like this without some sort of darkness seeping into it, the four times square building is managed by the Durst organization. Yes, uh. run by the family of murderer Robert Durst. Oh, God. Yes. See, I thought you were going to go into Fred Durst territory. Ah! <laughs> no relation. No relation. Isn't it weird that Fred Durst is the, now the Durst to look up to and not the Durst, or, the Durst family <laughs> of real estate magnates? Yeah. So it reminds me of that building that we, lo- we were looking into and we're like, oh, well, this is the headquarters of the 
Um, who's Ivanka's slimy husband? That guy. Uh, Kushner? Stephen Miller. No, oh, Kushner. Kushner, yeah. Of the Kushner family is headquartered there. Like, oh. So I knew there ha- I was like, oh, well, I was like, this building looks pretty. Oh, there it is. The Durst organization. <laughs> so Elaine is meeting, having a meeting there with uh, under the guise of hiring cartoonists from the New Yorker to illustrate the Jay Peterman catalog. Because we know, as we learned when the Jay Peterman catalog was first introduced, that all the all the clothes are drawn in the magazine, not uh, there's no pictures of them. And Elaine shows who does prove to be later. But at this point, I was just guessing the uh, cartoon editor shows him the cartoon of the cat and dog. And he <laughs> sort of um, he chuckles at it. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, but yes, he, he, yes. He, he says it's a, a clever jab at interoffice politics. Yeah. And she's like, OK, but, but why is it funny? He was like, oh, well, it's, <laughs> a, you know, a, a commentary on contemporary mores. And then he just starts grasping at straws. He's like, it's a slice of life. Uh, pun? Uh, Volstein? And she's like, that's not a word. <laughs> but honestly, so he's like, I don't, he, uh, he admits that he doesn't know what it means. I just liked the kitty. And <laughs> Elaine lays into him saying it's lazy to, you know, you guys think you're so sophisticated and have this sense of humor that no one else has. And you just print a uh, cartoon with two bears talking about the stock market and calls it humor. And the guy's like, actually, that's funny. And she's like, oh, well, uh, I have others. When he, when he did say it was a jab at interoffice politics, I could make an argument for that. I started thinking immediately. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, then then that's funny. Like, so you know how the, the saying, like, you fight like cats and dogs, the new fighting like cats and dogs is telling somebody condescendingly, I enjoy reading your emails. Like a cat saying that to a dog. <laughs> that is funny now. Like, it, it, you have to explain it, so... <laughs> I feel like it's not perfect, but at least I think it does make sense now. I would have taken that explanation, you know? Do you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it is a, a jab at interoffice politics. So Samuel, over at Samuel Beckett Theater, which was at 410 West 42nd Street, is technically still there. It is now Theater 4. In the Theater Row building, a complex of five previously named but now numbered theaters that was revamped in 2019. So the Samuel Beckett Theater used to be in this. It, it used to be in this row of little off-Broadway theaters, and then they just called them all Theater One, Theater Two, and and this is Theater Four. So it's still there. Interestingly enough, in the uh, Seinfeld universe, Jackie Onassis, who's been mentioned on the show before, was on the board. That helped revitalize the area, uh, aka oh, try to de try to deporn it as much as they could. <laughs> where where this was, Forty Second Street was like burlesque central, like forever. And so in the, in the seventies, just like a lot of places in New York, they started trying to turn that around and open these little. This is the Samuel Beckett Theater's ninety nine seats. To give you an idea, uh, it doesn't look like ninety nine seats when we see the inside, but the real Samuel Beckett Theater is ninety nine seats. Uh, and Sally is doing a one-woman show there, and Jerry is there to support her uh, because he got her back into the business, and he's there with a silent Kramer, and Sally starts up her act, and it is about how Jerry Seinfeld is the devil and starts going off on how Jerry Seinfeld is awful, and Kramer oh. is cracking up at everything. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it was so, like... She just hammers in, like, yeah. yeah, he's the devil. It's like I like to picture him with horns, hooves, and a little red tail. I'm like, oh, yeah. It, this really requires suspension of disbelief because you either have to believe that Jerry Seinfeld is a American household name or at least a New York household name. This would be like somebody doing a show called I don't know, like 
Dave Attell is the devil or something like that. You, maybe that's even too <laughs> That's generous. too big, I think. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of a, a mid-level comedian right now. Um, somebody like, I don't know, like Moshe Kasher maybe just sprang to mind for some reason. Like comedy nerds <laughs> know good. him. Yeah, it's comedy good, nerds yeah. know him for sure. But would could you do a whole Broadway show about Moshe Kasher? Probably <laughs> not. <laughs> Unless you're Moshe Kasher himself. Then, or yeah. um, uh, Natasha Leggero. Yeah. Because uh, they're married. I can definitely see Natasha Leggero doing a full hour about Moshe. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'd love their podcast. I think that's their podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it just seems it, like it, this really requires suspension of disbelief that the show literally becomes the phenomenon that it does because it is seemingly all about Jerry Seinfeld being, you know, a, a, a guy who's on The Tonight Show Every quarter uh, in a good year, every, maybe every you know? once in a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in a great year for him, he's on every three months. Yeah, maybe. Oh, this isn't this isn't even the beginning of where we really need to suspend our I disbelief. Know. Oh I my know. god! <laughs> um, so, I'm glad you caught that too, though. God. <laughs> up. Oh yeah, and I have questions about that as well. Uh, up <laughs> in Jerry's apartment, the show was a full hour, and it sold out for the next three weeks. Jerry tells Elaine, and Elaine is saying, maybe I can get in because now I'm with the New Yorker. She ended up having lunch <laughs> with the cartoon editor, and he had some great gossip about James Thurber. I am going to write that down because I don't know what the <laughs> hell that – did you know okay. what that meant? Nope. nope. Okay. James Thurber. Uh, but I did like Jerry's uh, interjection there, nodding off. <laughs> um, and she is going to submit some cartoons and Jerry does get a chance to kind of burn Elaine here saying, oh, that's great, but you don't draw. She's like, I can draw. He's like, what, your sad horsies, your house with a little <laughs> curl of smoke coming out the chimney, the sunflower <laughs> with a smiley face, the transparent cube. I have always loved him saying the transparent cube in this. The only thing he could have said that would have made this better was if he said the cool S. I would oh, have my loved. God. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, because I liked the, just the visual of like the house with the curl of smoke that everyone has drawn that, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. And she's like, well, they're better than your drawings of naked Lois Lane, which Jerry says were private. <laughs> uh, over at Monk's, Jerry is meeting with Sally again. And he's like, hey, you know, how about instead of trashing me, you mentioned that I apologized and encouraged you to stick with it. And she says she workshopped that, but snoozers. And tells him that she'll tinker with it. Her head is already getting gigantic about this show being so popular. Newman approaches, <laughs> and he has seen the show six times. This was maybe my my biggest laugh of the whole thing, where he goes, "It's so great to see a show that's about something." And he glares at <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> oh, that's good meta. <laughs> And no, not the company that owns Facebook. No, not. That's bad meta. <laughs> That's bad meta. <laughs> this was good meta. <laughs> uh, over at, uh, in the life of Kramer, he cannot take a cab anywhere because he's not speaking and he can't tell the cabbie where he wants to go. <laughs> this this got a good chuckle out of me just because it was so short. And he, <laughs> yeah. he gets in, realizes he can't say anything, and just immediately gets out. It was a great little reminder that without, we would have gone a long time you know, having, well, he was at, with Jerry at the show just a little bit ago, but it still would have been two other scenes. Like, they need to keep that in our mind that it's, that he's still struggling with this because of when he does uh, break later on. It's that much bigger of a deal. Uh, we now see our third 
new location. And at this point, I was making Vince McMahon falling back in his chair to reference another newer meme. Um, or what would that be a newer? I feel like it's not nah. in the meme it's 1.0 not, universe we were talking yeah, about. It, it's not Gen 1, but it's definitely not a new yeah. meme. Yeah, but Ted, you can imagine when I saw yet another address I could Google immediately. <laughs> uh, I, I was making Vince McMahon eyes roll back in head uh, face. So this is Janet's apartment. It's at 501 Cathedral Parkway. And the building looks, besides some, uh, if you look on Google Street Maps, it has, uh, uh, what are they called? Scaffolding in front of it. So it's being worked on. But it looks exactly the same down to the Whoa. exact same green awning that is used in <laughs> this establishing cool. shot. Yeah, it is right near uh, the Cathedral of St. John the Divine, right in the middle, basically, of Columbia University. I mean, right near that campus. It's basically 110th Street. So it's way up there. It's 20 blocks at least away from Jerry's apartment. I forget where George lives, but it's it's Morningside Heights, but just a little bit to the east is South Harlem. I mean, she's way mm. up there. Yeah. Yeah, damn. Um, so, yeah, basically 110th. Uh, it's at 19... Oh, it was built in 1910. It has 60 units. It's got an elevator, so that's nice. You don't always get that in a building like this. And Gershwin lived there. George Gershwin lived there from 1920 to 1925 and probably wrote his greatest work, Rhapsody in Blue, in this building. Huh. That's the one that goes... I don't know if you have to pay for that or not, but if you didn't know. Uh, so what do you think it costs for a place here if you are looking for a two-bedroom, one-bath, 800 square feet? Ooh, 7F man. was just rented for... Ted, how much do you think? Two-bed, one-bath, 800 square feet? Yeah, seventh floor, but it's got an elevator. 23 hundo a month. That's about what you're going to pay for a studio, interestingly enough. Oh. Yeah. That, okay. It, so, okay, let me let me try again. Two okay. bed, one bath. Yep. Uh, 34 hundo. Much closer. 38.95 okay. is what oh, 7F shit. is rented for. Yeah. $4,000 a month for 800 square feet. Jesus Christ. If you need a little bit bigger space, 3E was just rented. It is a three bedroom, two bath, 1,000 square feet. So 200 whole square feet. Uh, how much do you think that one is rented for? 52. Oh, pretty close. 51. 5117. Oh, yeah. I overshot it? Yeah, wow. just by a little bit, though. My God, though. Three bedrooms for over $5,000 a month. Yeah. Like, even splitting that amongst multiple people is expensive. Yeah, and, and it's at 110th Street, too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're not close to fucking anything. <laughs> that's a tr that's a long train ride for you, where you wherever you know mostly, unless you work at Columbia University or you are the preacher. The I guess preacher is probably the wrong word. The priest, the father, whatever it is. What? Uh, Why at, are they so yeah. expensive this far away from the city? Like I know obviously apartments are very expensive, but like this makes no sense. This is abnormally expensive. I think it's just these were rented in August, so maybe that maybe the rental market is blowing up like all the real estate markets are. Maybe. I do not know. George is there with Janet at her apartment and he's having an inner monologue battle with himself. About whether she looks like Jerry, the implications if she does or if she doesn't, and it, the the <laughs> scene has ended where he's like, "No, of course it, it doesn't look like Jerry. Why am I even thinking about this?" 
And Janet turns around and goes, you know, I do look like your friend Jerry. And he goes, I know. <laughs> I loved, um, he, I think he had the line, it's like, he's worried that a romantic relationship with Jerry is everything he's always wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And, and I can have sex with her giving me everything I've always wanted. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Up in Jerry's apartment, Sally's show is on the news. So it's on the local news, like in this hot new <laughs> off-Broadway show. So I can buy this. I'm still in, in buy-it territory. But it's a new bit now about her last meeting with Jerry about how he... I forget what I forget what this exactly the the last meeting in the coffee shop. Um, I forget how she twists it, but she has twisted it once again, saying, "Oh yeah, he's like, hey, stop doing your show about me." And I'm like, "Oh well, guess what? It's a free country." And then he calls me schmutzy and tries pawing all over my sweater, uh, insinuating that he tried to feel her up. <laughs> when in reality, what happened was he said, uh... "You have some schmutz on your shoulder," and tried like brushing it away before Newman came up. Oh, my God. Elaine shows up in a coat and nightgown with a cartoon that she has spent all night on for the New Yorker. <laughs> it's a pig at the at the complaint department, and he says, I wish I was taller. George tr- uh, Jerry tries to punch it up, saying, how about I don't have my receipt? My place is a sty. And I love <laughs> Elaine's, uh, you know, um, exhausted response here, like, everything has to be so jokey with you. <laughs> but Jerry's like, I'm, I'm a comedian. <laughs> Newman, meanwhile, told Elaine that Jerry tried to grope Sally, uh, making him Jerry upset about the play. So he's going to go call her. Kramer, meanwhile, his punch up to Elaine's line is, the pig says my wife is a slut. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I like, I've always liked Jerry's response. Now that's a complaint. <laughs> <laughs> so Jerry calls Sally and he leaves a message laying into her about the whole thing, but cut to Sally playing it, playing that message as part of the show on a tape player that has Jerry Seinfeld's face and devil horns and a pitchfork and tail. There's like a couple of location changes that happen here very quickly. So like we go from Jerry's apartment when he's calling Sally to Jerry and Kramer standing in the back of the theater watching Sally do this bit to walking back to Jerry's apartment and watching Sally again, who now has a cable special. Yeah. And Jerry has sent a cease and desist letter through his lawyer to her. So my guess is it's kind of like, all right, she was on the news. The next day she played the message. And I guess the next day her she has a cable special now with even more updated material. I guess. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that was fast. That's a fast turnaround. But she's reading the cease and desist letter on this cable special including uh which includes a fuck you to jerry and he's like how it's bleeped for us but he's like how, how could she get away with saying that but then he answers his own question by saying she has a cable special and jerry's never even had a cable special so that also that goes to you know i mean does he mean like not even on comedy central at this point or the comedy channel or the comedy excuse channel? you i understand not everybody got hbo specials back in the day i mean you basically had to be robin williams to get an yeah. hbo special but I mean, does has he really not had a, a TV special? If so, then that this speaks to even even more how crazy it is that this is as big a phenomenon as it is that people want to see it. I just can't think of anything comparable about a person nobody knows that has made it this big. Jerry says, though, to solve all of this, he's cutting her off completely. No communication whatsoever. So that means no new material for her. Over at Jay Peterman, Elaine's Elaine is showing off her cartoon to a coworker who just kind of shrugs when he sees it. And Elaine isn't telling him that it was hers. 
because she wants someone to go, oh, that's so funny and genius, and then her go, well, you know, I wrote it. The coworker just shrugs. But Jay Peterman does come by to get her to fix a flat tire for him, which was great. <laughs> Elaine, I have suffered another flat tire. She's like, can I fix it after lunch? She's like, no, right now. <laughs> and uh, he chuckles at the cartoon. So Elaine has a chance now to tell this employee that, haha, well, I wrote it because a smart person would get this. Uh, but Jay Peterman rushes back because he recognizes the punchline as a Ziggy line, some Ziggy plagiarism. And this has always cracked me up too. Elaine, to my archives! <laughs> Which I wonder if he if he has, like if he means his archives, like a presidential library kind of thing, or if he literally has an archive of every Ziggy possible. He's got a, he's got a compendium of Ziggy cartoons. <laughs> yeah, that he calls his archive. Um do, we don't need to dive on Ziggy, do we? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, we both know what Ziggy is. Yeah. Over at Ted, our fourth new location. Wow. In oh this episode. God. Now I'm Vince McMahon falling out of my chair. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I might I might make a meme and the first panel where he's just kind of normal as the New Yorker. And then you just need just grab screen caps yeah. of all the locations when we see them for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and then he he sees the Samuel Beckett Theater. He's more excited. Oh, oh, oh. His, his oh, eyes oh. are rolling back at 501 Cathedral. And now at Poe, he's falling out of his chair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't wait to do that instead of applying for jobs this week. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, it takes a long time when you're using Microsoft Paint. Um, if any, <laughs> if any potential employers are listening, I'm I'm proficient with Photoshop. I really am. <laughs> um, Tim, you just download a meme app. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. But using that's easy to do with um, with typing. But can you put screenshots into like actual JPEGs? Oh yeah. Into, oh okay. Oh yeah. I guess I, I I always use Image Flip, which is probably the most bare bones of all. Oh of okay. Them. Um, but we'll figure this out. <laughs> so this is <laughs> this is an exterior of Poe. At 31 Cornelia Street, it uh, was an Italian restaurant founded by Mario Batali. So, oh, yeah, okay. big time. It closed in 2017, though. Uh, it opened in 93, closed in 2017 after the landlord instituted a 120% rent hike to $10,000 a month for the retail space. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so they closed up shop in 2017, but... Either the rent came down or the market caught up because it is now Bombay Bistro. So from Italian to Indian. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, George and Janet are there, and George is grasping to base their relationship on anything besides looks. What do we have? He's like, remember, uh, I came up and talked to you at that party. And she's like, yeah, you said I was the most beautiful girl here <laughs> or something like that. And uh, <laughs> everything has been with George. Every conversation has been about her looks, how you thought you've seen me before and how good looking she is. And then he asked her for gum. And he's like, yes, gum. We can work with that. Our relationship <laughs> is based on gum. But Janet gets some of her gum stuck in her hair while they're talking. Over at Monk's, Sally comes in and sits down with Kramer, who, and she talks so much that Kramer breaks his vow of silence to tell her to shut up and mentions that he hasn't talked in a long time. So Sally says, lay it on me, String Bean. Over at Janet's, she comes out of the bathroom having cut the gum out of her hair and had trouble uh, lining it up and she now has the Jerry Seinfeld mullet 
Oh no! Oh no! And we get we get George like running out of her apartment, <laughs> screaming, "George is in weird trouble!" <laughs> yeah, she comes on to George hardcore, like, "Why don't you take your clothes off, George?" And she's in like a little <laughs> nightgown T-shirt type thing, <laughs> and George has to run out before it gets any weirder. <laughs> Over in Jerry's apartment, Elaine did rip off a Ziggy, and. It's because Put- she was like, wow, I was up so late. I guess one just snuck in there. Putty has Ziggy bed sheets. That. Not pu- not Putty. What'd you say? Yeah, Peter, Putty. D- no, Putty. Putty has. Yeah, she was writing the so, cartoon at Putty's. So Putty and Jay Peterman are both Ziggy fanatics. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't catch that. Jesus Christ. But I thought Putty, a grown man in his late 30s, has a cartoon like cartoon character bed sheets it's just so in character for what a dummy he is yeah putty has ziggy bed sheets i'm sure that jay peterman does too but he also has the he's also a huge he's a ziggy completist he has the complete archives <laughs> of ziggy uh, but i love that elaine was so sleep deprived and the putty uh, and, and putty's ziggy bed sheets um that you know one of them i guess is maybe I wish I was taller or something like that. And so now Ziggy has burned the New Yorker. The latest Ziggy cartoon is Ziggy at the complaint department saying, the New Yorker keeps stealing my ideas or something like that. Uh, (laughs) Kramer comes in as Sally's updated cable special comes on. Yeah, she's got a second cable special in a week. Yeah, and in fact, Elaine says, oh, Sally's cable show is coming on. So I'm like, is this now a sh- like a weekly show called is Jerry Seinfeld is the Devil? Is it a series now? Yeah. Oh my God. Has she gone to series? <laughs> yeah, because it's been updated in the last few days to now include new information about George- Jerry supposedly making his friends date women who look like him or a man. So Jerry accuses Elaine of talking to Sally, but it wasn't Elaine. But the next clue, the next revelation clues him in that he got a manicure and told his neighbor not to tell anybody about it. So that glues him in that <laughs> Kramer is the one that has been blabbing. And Kramer gives once again a starting now that he's not talking anymore. Starting Ugh. starting now. <laughs> you didn't like that callback? I d- no, uh, actually. I really didn't. I thought it was like way too sitcommy. Yeah, it really was. It really was like, let's put a button on it. It, w- it was a good closing line, but it was a sitcom closing line. It was. Starting it was. now. Uh, we do get, so that's the end of the episode, but we do get one last epilogue at Monk's. George is telling Jerry about the breakup, and he, he can't even look Jerry in the eye and says that we must never speak of this. <laughs> and the the weirdness is continuing between Jerry and George. And Jerry asks George if he wants to go see a movie, but George says he's he's going to take a few days off, and <laughs> that that's probably for the best. And uh, just sort of slinks out of monks. I, I I thought that was a funny ending to yeah. the whole yeah, to the whole thing. And yeah, it was it, to me. It means I don't even know if he's going to take a few days off work. He might, but I think it means he needs a, a few days away from Jerry <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to like get his mind right again. Yeah. So that's it. All right. Uh, what do we got for homework this week? I just wrote down James Thurber. Okay. Yeah. Dang. I know. How much? I know. All right. What do you like for cover art for this episode? Oh, man, I'd love. You have to include Janet in it somehow. I think there's a, uh, something of, of like when Janet and George come up to Jerry's apartment. There might be something there that that you can use with a lot of the, characters in it. There is a good side by side with Jerry and Janet. I yeah, know. that would be good. Yeah, it, it, I think it definitely has to include. Janet. What, anything else were you thinking? Um, I was thinking maybe something with Sally, but I don't want to 
give people a reason not to listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot about Sally. But yeah. <laughs> if if it was one with Sally, I would say her holding the tape recorder that has Jerry's face on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good visual. Um, I don't know. I'll I'll see what works. Yeah. Um all right, so let's see what we can do about this week's description. So we had Sally Weaver's one woman show about Jerry is a hit. Period. George's girlfriend resembles Jerry. Period. A New Yorker cartoon confuses Elaine. Period. Kramer stops talking. Period. Dang it. It's actually not bad now that I hear it again. What do you think? Uh I You could take You're not s- wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. I, I don't like how long it is. Yeah. I, I don't like how it's four sentence fragments. Yeah. I mean I guess they're not fragments. They are complete sentences, but they're just you could take annoyingly out, short. You I could guess. just say a one woman show is about Jerry or something like that. Jerry becomes the subject. That's almost longer. Jerry becomes the subject of a one-woman show. Yeah. Um, a one-woman show. Honestly, if we just want to leave it as is, I'm fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how we can make it better. I would, you can't even marry any of the storylines. Not really. I mean, some of them do eventually come together. Like, Kramer Not Talking comes into the Sally Weaver line. Yeah. And uh, But keeping them separated for the purpose of the, purpose of the description makes sense yeah yeah if you, if you wanted to marry them you could say like kramer's vow of silence uh blah 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 the one woman show about jerry or something like that exacerbates a one woman show about jerry or something like that yeah but that's giving away the ending yeah exactly yeah that, that's when they intersect so i don't think you could do that so yeah unfortunately we have to leave it i think <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> it's got to stay exactly as it is yeah oh man um okay well next week we have got season nine episode 14 the strong box original air date february 5th 1998 and if you're looking at tv guide that night you are gonna see george dates two women at once period Mm. elaine dates a poor man period (laughs) jerry fails to recognize a man who lives next door period kramer buys a strong box for his valuables uh i'm I think I can already see how we can make that better, just knowing what I know about the episode, all of that. But uh, I think, yeah, I'm, this seems like sounds like another another good episode, especially the George storyline cracks me up. Uh, what did you think of this one? I I liked it, not enough to give it a star for the end of the season, though. Yeah, see, I got a lot of good laughs out of it, and and I started, and in fact, we didn't talk about it, but I started the reverse peephole as well. And, did you? Okay. Yeah, and. Really, you know, I mentioned last week, even though we'd met Sally Weaver, I mentioned what a hated character she is. And I think it's more because of this episode than the previous episode, The Doll. She does screw Jerry in The Doll, but this one's infuriating because she's completely lying about Jerry. Like, before, she just fucked up because she thought she knew better. And she she was like, oh, nobody likes that barbecue sauce. Get this barbecue sauce. Um, because yeah. And Jerry was like, though the other one has Charles Grodin. Now I have nothing. But this one, she's like, like with the being like, uh, you know, essentially accusing Jerry of groping her in a very popular off-Broadway show and and just like blatantly lying about him and every time he tries to make it better it's made worse and at first and I was thinking too like well why didn't he just say all right you know somebody book me on a late night show and I'll trash Sally Weaver and I was like well god that would have looked like punching down at this point so that would have been even worse for him um, I mean by the by the time the episode is over Sally's definitely punching down on Jerry yeah, but I don't know if the audience sees it that way for some reason. That's I, I, true. Like, we see it that way, but I don't think the audience in the in the show would see it that way. I think they're like, oh, man, I, I just got to get more of this. Like, it's Jerry's already lost the battle. He's lost the war um, of, you know, he, he can't. I don't see him as being able to go like, all right, call my friend Jay Leno, get booked on The Tonight Show, and I can talk about 
everything wrong with this, but it would have looked like sad and desperate for him <laughs> at that point. Um, and, and would have, yeah, still looked like punching down. It's like, well, all right, she's in a 99 seat off Broadway theater. Yeah. She's selling it out, but now you're on the tonight show making fun of her. I, I don't, I don't see any way out of, out of this for Jerry by his own accord. You know, he just has to let it die out. Unfortunately yeah. for someone yeah. like Jerry, it doesn't seem done. Well, it would have been possible without Kramer, but yeah, but I, so I didn't hate Sally Weaver as much in this episode for some reason. Uh, it didn't, it didn't ruin the episode for me, even though, as I mentioned, she's like a very hated character. Um, and I got a lot of good laughs out of it. Just like, just like the last episode. So these may not make the, the top at the end, but, but yeah, I, I, I did like it. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Is that it? I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hall the Well. Be good. Be good.